It's OMN Coffee Shop Conversation 172 right here at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason. In with me today is one of the busiest guitarists in town, Mark Bowden. He'll play the 7th Annual Next Waltz Show on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, November 23rd to 25th at the Alberta Rose Theater. A portion of the proceeds benefit the Jeremy Wilson Foundation. He'll also be playing at the 2018 Stumptown Soul Holiday Spectacular at the Wonder Ballroom on Saturday, December 15th to benefit Shriners Hospital for Children. Now that you know that, meet Mark Bowden. Mark, welcome to the cupping room. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's yeah, good to be here. Right here at the World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, where we do these things every week. I'm glad you could make it. Yeah, glad, glad uh, to be here. You know, um, it's funny. You you didn't write Black Hawk Down. <laughs> but the this weird, is true. And yeah. you don't pronounce your name the way he pronounces his name. How does he does he pronounce it? Bowden. Oh, he pronounces it that way. And you pronounce it Bowden. Bowden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I knew him. I used to hang out with him in Baltimore. Really? Yeah. He was a he was a a, a newspaper. He was a writer. I mean, of course, he is a writer. Yeah, but yeah, he, was a, yeah, he was a newspaper yeah. writer when I when we used to drink. And uh, but yes, so you're not him. I am not him. You did not write Black Hawk Down. <laughs> I did not. Are you write sure Black about Hawk. that? I am absolutely positive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although I would love to get MarkBowden.com, he beat me to it. <laughs> or or the residuals. That he's, yeah. Those checks are still coming in for him. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you're you're one of those guys. Yep. I you're am. one of those guys. You play with a lot of people. I do, I do. All over town and everywhere. I do. And, and um, how, many, how, many, how, many, how many formal bands are you in right now? Let's see. Formal, well, okay, so there's yeah. uh, my two Karens. There's Karen Ann and Karen Lovely. Those are really my two main acts that I'm working with at this point. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and that keeps me pretty busy. And they busy. couldn't be any more different. Yeah, totally, totally, totally different. Yeah. One's an amazing... Karen Lovely and Karen... Yeah, Karen Ann. Lovely is a yeah. blues R&B powerhouse, yeah. and yeah. Karen Ann is a folk R&B powerhouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, but they do have similarities. Uh, so I do them. Stephanie Shelzer, who goes by Strange and the Familiars, and yeah. we're just at the, the old church gig, which is fun. She's actually somebody who's really starting to put the, put the burners on under her career. So uh-huh. there's going to be a lot of action going on there. Um, well, it's, I'm sort of part-time at this point with Crystal Lane. Uh-huh. Um, I used to uh-huh. do a lot of work, she and I, and Steve Karen, uh, yeah. Ned Failing, right. uh, Mike Dean Dameron actually founded uh, Crystal Lane and the Hurt about mm-hmm. five years, four or five years ago. So I've sort of stepped away from that as a full-time thing, and I'll just sub in when uh, Alan Terubio from Mexican Gunfight can't do the gig. Uh-huh. But, you know, we'll do, we'll do pickup gigs, so I'm doing some stuff there. Uh, who else am I doing? I noticed a pattern there. <laughs> All female singers. Yeah. It's, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this earlier today. It's, I like, I tend to do a lot of work with female artists because my main focus is really, it's, it's singer-songwriters. It's about mm-hmm. the writing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I generally, Crystallate in the Hurt is my only kind of what I would say cover band gig because we, yeah. we do this really fun mix of old school Right, 40s, 50s soul stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fun. And that's why we all do it. It's a fun thing. But it's all about the writing. That's why I kind of got involved with Crystal Lane back in the days. A lot of people don't realize this, but she's an amazing writer. Oh, I know. You know, so her original stuff, 
solo and with Adam from the Adam and Chris days. Yeah, she's Great been stuff. in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great writer. Um, Karen Ann, I think, is one of the best writers in the Northwest mm-hmm. at this point. Stephanie Shell's another amazing writer. So it's that, that connecting tissue is about the writing. Um, it's interesting. The one male artist who I've worked with extensively, I'm not working at this point with him, but uh, we may do some stuff again, is Ron Rogers. Ron Rogers right. is an old friend of mine. And what is the connection? Ron is just an absolutely amazing writer. Yeah. He's just a brilliant songwriter. Yeah, I've done TV on him. I got um, um, uh, a James Booker coffin hanging in my living room that he made. You are one of the anointed ones. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've got one of his uh, door blessing things hanging on my door. Ron Rogers' art is pretty, it's hard to come by. Yeah, he, he doles it out sparingly. I, well, this was this was I don't know, fifteen years ago. I did a TV story on him. Yeah, and uh, Ron Ron's been in here too. We had, yeah, we had a great yeah. time. Some it, it was funny. He uh, uh, he's a really interesting cat. And um, uh, I was we were in here doing this doing this thing, and I brought up sometimes you know we've had our we've had some spats in the past and. All that stuff, and it's true. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine. We, we, you know, we, we're fine. We, 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 we like each other and everything. But, um, uh, and then he pulls out this incredible box of soul music that I had originally, uh, and 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 had it had gotten destroyed, and he just laid it on me right in the middle of the interview. <laughs> it was fabulous. <laughs> he uh, he's got. Deep knowledge that the the people like his one of his go tos is Ray Wiley Hubbard and mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he can sit down if if you want to get an education <laughs> especially you know Texas Roadhouse Texas Psychedelics oh, yeah. also yeah. that man knows it he okay knows so it. Um, so you're doing all this stuff now right yep. and, yeah. and it's some of it's soul and some of it's uh, f- f- singer songwriter stuff and but how did you get from studying jazz at Berkeley? <laughs> well, it, it's funny. Um, the Basically, when I was a kid, I picked up the guitar uh, when I was 13. I was one of those lucky individuals that once I discovered popular music and uh-huh. an instrument, I never there was never any question what I was going to do in life. I was never one of those <laughs> kids that or young adults that would grow up and say, what am I going to become? It was, it was always there. And I consider that, I mean, I consider myself very lucky. And your parents said what? <laughs> they were always, both my parents were teachers, and they were really good about it. My, my dad would help when I needed new gear as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, would help me uh, acquire gear. Their whole thing was, you know, we want you to do what you want to do. Wow. Just, it wouldn't hurt to have a fallback. Yeah. So, <laughs> I went to school, I got, my, uh, I, I got a degree in electronics. And was working uh, in, I, this was from, back in Massachusetts, uh-huh. uh, just a two-year school back in Massachusetts, yeah. center of the state. Yeah. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I just, I want to go for it. So I had been out of, you know, out of, out of college for about two years and said, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Berkeley. And just went to the city, moved there by myself. This is back in probably 79. And yeah. like back then, like most classic students, I got through four semesters and then ran out of money because we had three siblings in school. So, <laughs> uh, but then you weren't supposed to graduate from Berkeley. You were basically supposed to be plucked out. Your graduation, if, especially if you're a horn player, was uh-huh. you know a big uh-huh. band leader like Minid Ferguson would uh-huh. come along and go you 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 and you and uh-huh. every one of your teachers would be like my baby's graduating. You know who was who was at Berkeley when you were there? 
that we might know? Um, probably the big guy would be a couple of people. Um, from a jazz perspective, uh-huh. would be Bruce Hornsby. Uh-huh. Bruce Hornsby was there. We crossed over slightly. Um, another person of all people who was there when I was there was Amy Mann. Really? Uh, who back then had a very big, well-known band in Boston called Till Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of went on to her big solo successes. So people like that. I'm trying to think of who else was there. From was Matheny gone by then? Was Pat Matheny yeah, gone by then? Yeah, he was actually, he and his brother yeah. were actually teaching at that point. Uh-huh. Now, did you know Alan Hager when you were there? No, I did not. You know Alan Hager went there? Yeah. 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 It's... <laughs> The, the great blues guitar player and the great unknown classical player. Alan is just one of those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've seen him. He does. Uh, I saw him a while ago at O'Connor's Vault where he did a, um, a Beatles medley <laughs> that would just make your draw like solo guitar. Yeah. And your jaws dropping yeah. off the floor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah He's yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, he told me he used to um, um, transcribe <laughs> music. Yeah. For classical guitar, well, he, that, he did that as a gig in Boston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used same thing. I, but I was doing it, he was doing it for classical. I, I was doing it for pop. I would get paid by the bar. Is that right? Yeah, seriously, I get paid by the bar and just transcribe <laughs> it. And or I was doing um, how much per bar? Per bar? I don't even remember. It's like maybe twenty five cents. Like it was, you know. Uh, but you didn't have scoring programs back then, so I would do yeah. you know I do full charts uh-huh. with a calligraphic pen and ink and. Wow. Because people needed charts done. Yeah. Yeah. Old school. Really old school. You're very old school. Man. Yeah. There, there were no, there were no uh, programs to do that then. The best recording studio we had then was mm-hmm. an 8-track analog tape studio, and that was considered <laughs> state-of-the-art at Berkeley at the time. Yeah. That's how I'm dating myself here. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So did you, 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 uh, you gigged around town, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting. Boston for many a year was a really great scene. I lived there from 79 to 2006 when I moved out here. Uh-huh. I was doing probably in the 80s and 90s, I was doing tons of studio sessions. I was probably doing 100 plus shows a year. Similar thing. I was sort of one of the go-to guys yeah. in town for singer-songwriter types. Uh-huh. Um, but what happened is it, as the 2000s, as it started to flip and sort of like the grunge alternate era yeah. went away and sort of more pop EDM came in, mm-hmm. the ability to do live music and make a living at it in Boston became very difficult because most of the club owners, since it's a college music town mm-hmm. and it's very college most college students at that point were like, who am I going to hook up with tonight in the club and go home with? And the borrowers <laughs> knew this, so it, it was much easier to just have somebody spinning turntables than dealing with a band. Right. So clubs, right. live music clubs started to dry up. Ah. So probably mid-2000s, there were about five or six of us musicians that had all been working together and we all sort uh-huh. of went uh-huh. different places some went wow. to LA some to New York some to Nashville yeah. and I came here wow but you're from here no no I, I grew up in I'm actually from New England oh okay I have family here that's one of the reasons okay. I came here is I have a sister who's lived here for a long gotcha. time gotcha gotcha but yeah I, I visited here in 2001 uh-huh. loved the city yeah and in 2006 I said you know what it's time I could go to LA because I was doing a lot of work there but yeah quality of living so I moved here yeah. and uh, tell you the truth of all the guys that I was working with I think I made the right decision oh, because good. of the, the northwest Portland 
and specifically, but the greater Northwest is a hotbed of live music. Right. You can actually, as, as you know, you can actually make a living doing music full-time here. Where Some people actually do. Yeah. You do. I do. That's what I do. My, <laughs> my, my Nashville guys are like, oh, it's too much competition. My New York right. guys, no place to play. L.A. guys, yeah. no place to play. I'm like, I do not have that problem here. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were 13, yeah. that's when you got your first guitar? Yep. What was it? Um, it was probably some no-name knockoff of uh-huh. a Fender Stratocaster. <laughs> and I proceeded to, I remember this vividly, I painted it, um, because it was the 70s, I painted it day glow orange, green, and white. <laughs> and what did you start out playing? Believe it or not, original music. I, really? When I was in um, middle school, I had a group of friends, a drummer, guitar player, keyboard, and myself. The drummer's house was literally right across from my middle school, so every afternoon right after school for three or four hours, we'd cross the street, go up in his bedroom, and we, we didn't try to learn anybody else's new music. We would just jam. Really? Yeah, and I, I actually, at that point, I was playing bass. I started on bass uh-huh. and then sw- eventually switched to guitar. Uh-huh. So right from the beginning, I was doing original music. Huh. Yeah. Didn't you have a guitar god? Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> Wow, where do I even start with that one? And it's changed over the years. Like, I, I always loved, um, because I sort of came from the rock world, mm-hmm. uh, loved Pete Townsend because I like chords. Mm-hmm. I, I, much, I love rhythm and chords far more than I love soloing. I mean, soloing's <laughs> fun, but I like holding down the middle. I, yeah. That, that's yeah. where the, the juice is for me. Um, Pete Townsend was one. First record I ever got was Led Zeppelin one. <laughs> so learned all that stuff. Went into this total multi-year addiction to Yes. My first five rock shows I ever saw were, were Yes shows. <laughs> um, then, you know, got into... From there, branched out. When I was in college, got into fusion. My, my favorite jazz player back then was Joe Pass. Loved Joe Pass doing oh, yeah. solo chord melody stuff. Oh, yeah. Larry Coryell, mm-hmm. um, John McLaughlin. Of course. Just all great players. Yeah. I remember seeing Mahavishnu the first time it, it came right. out, and it was it was like the worst job of booking a show in history because uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra opened for Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show. Wow! Which was <laughs> <laughs> wow. So at the end of the at the end of the Mahavishnu set, half the audience left. left right. <laughs> what a weird. Really weird. Odd bill. Really weird. On the cover of the Rolling Stone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I had the good fortune of I similar but uh, much better luck. I had uh, it was Mahavishnu and Jeff Beck on a co-bill. Oh. And it was what? sort of the Beck blow by blow wired uh-huh. era. Uh-huh. But both both bands were amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Stuff. That must have been when McLaughlin got him into his guru. Yeah. Probably. Yep. Like, probably happened on that yep. tour. Yep. You know. Wouldn't be surprised. Because yeah. Beck got all grooved out then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> it didn't last long, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think McLaughlin also did it. I think he was responsible for Carlos Santana as well. I may be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Somebody can quote me, but mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think that all sort of started to happen at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So that was sort of my late 70s kind yeah. of fusion, fusion era. Fusion's making a comeback. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. weird? We have, uh, what is this? Uh, I want to say Dennis Chambers, I think, drummer. Dennis Chambers in town. He, although uh-huh. he uh-huh. spends most of his time in Japan now, but Je- Dennis Chambers was the drummer for Jeff Lorber for many years. Right. 
And when I was doing uh, my Miriam's Well days when I first moved out here with the Miriam's Well band, we used Dennis was our drummer on some uh-huh. gigs. Yeah, <laughs> sweet guy, amazing player. <laughs> I noticed uh, when I was at the old church the other day, the other night, that uh, uh, you were playing a lot of slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that, how does that fit in there? When did I start doing slide? Slide is one of those things I've always wanted to do, and I've just I mm-hmm. really started doing a lot of it with Ron when I was doing the Ron stuff because it's so that text back stuff, and yeah. then with Karen Ann. Uh-huh. Um, I've d- definitely done some with Karen Lovely. There's some, especially when it's Ben Rice and I doing mm-hmm. our two guitar attack with Karen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do it back and forth. I've just I've always liked the instrument, and it, kind of from the Dwayne Allman sort of. Picking yeah. it up less from the blues. I got it second generation, right? So, you know, right. so Ben is one of those guys that got it first generation. Right. You're not doing Elmore James, no, no right? Uh, Whereas I'm, Ben's doing Elmore. I'm doing right. I'm my version of Dwayne Allman. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but it's fun. It's a, it's another voice, another mm-hmm. way of talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it seemed to fit with uh, with Stephanie's band. We there's a couple of songs she writes very quirky songs Mm -hmm. and her lyrics she's uh, the woman is an absolute genius she's brilliant uh one of those people and she just writes these interesting songs like um the ones that i use slide on are one called fish's dream and then nina nightmare and they're very kind of odd quirky tunes and in that context i'm using it more almost as much for an effect kind of thing mm-hmm. as opposed to actually a musical voice. Mm. So it's interesting mm-hmm. the way I do it with her as opposed to the way I would do it with Karen, which is more, excuse me, traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see the photo gallery of you guys yeah, at the old yeah. church? Yeah, those are, <laughs> I love those photos. Yes, yeah, Jason, Jason Kaplan did a really good job that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, love them. Good. He, he made us look attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was looking for that hat when and, and, uh, when you when you came in today. I didn't see the hat. I thought you'd be wearing the hat. Oh, I, you know it's funny that that hat came out of a. Well, I was on tour with Karen Ann, and there was a there's a store, kind of a vintage store in Reno, uh-huh. called Junkie Music, and I happened to see this hat. It's sort of like that Clint Eastwood, yeah, you know, it's a pork pie, right, kind of thing. And yeah, it's very so. It's like a yeah. wide brim right. pork pie that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find another one if I ever lose that one. <laughs> I interviewed Leon Redbone one time on the phone about 1988 and he said to me you know Tom a man's not dressed unless he's got a nice hat I would agree with that he was right but I, <laughs> the funny thing is I'm late to the party I acquired my hat addiction probably in 2007 or 8 I don't know what happened I just discovered hats and I'm, I had to get a new picture taken for a, to, when I when re- renewed my license and not, not only did they make me take my hat off, which I never, which I, which I never do unless I'm in the house, right? Uh-huh. Or they make me, they made me take my glasses off. So, wow, and then they wow. said, "Smile." So here I am, here I am with like hat hair, right, all over the place. I needed a haircut. I got this goofy looking smile, like I'm drunk without glasses. I go, "Who is that guy?" Yeah. You know, you're guaranteed to get pulled over. This is not you. And it wasn't. It wasn't me. It's not me. Anyway. <laughs> So, um, uh, do you remember when you first started to perform and how that felt to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, I do. And it was, it's one of those things where I've never, I've never gotten, performing in front of crowds never makes me nervous. It could be mm-hmm. 10,000 people. 
Yeah. It doesn't really matter. The, uh, I'm, I'm fine with it. it. It's usually the two things that would make me nervous or it would be if I was playing in front of a group of people who I know well. Oh. Because <laughs> you'd see all those people. you see all the interconnected stories you have yeah. with them. Yeah. Or if I didn't feel like I was prepared on stage with the players. Yeah. But having said that, so when I was a kid, I mean, we would rehearse so much. I loved it. I mean, I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. It was the, you know, it's, it's still that and in the studio are the two places where I really feel mm-hmm. like most alive and most fully engaged with myself and like my creative self. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, they're totally different things. They're different animals. Do you remember your first gig? Your, your first paying gig? First gig? It was probably, if not the first, one of the first mm-hmm. was actually at the middle school, ah. uh, probably playing <laughs> um, one of the dances. Uh-huh. Like we would get asked to play the dance. Wow. And that was... Because it was, you know, the guys I was hanging around with, people, my circle was all musicians. So if you were up yeah. on stage, you were, you were king of the hill. Yeah, you absolutely. Had a, you were, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was, it was doing that kind of stuff. Wow. It must have been great. It was. I was playing bass. And you got the response from the, from the crowd? Yep. Absolutely. And you made people dance? Yep. Wow. The girls came by after the, after the, after the, after the gig? Always for the drummer. <laughs> I've had this discussion multiple times. It's, in, in every, it's always the drummer that gets the notes handed back. <laughs> Guitar players, what we get is I, I always get the person that wants to come up and, and talk about what kind of cables I'm using or what strings I use. I get the techno geeks that want to geek out. I'm like, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. So... Yes, you don't have to give the drummer some more. (laughs) Drummer's getting enough. You know, (laughs) curse of my instrument. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So, um, you you, you were playing jazz, though, because you were in the jazz studies program, right, at Berkeley? Yeah, I was was less a player, although I was playing, but Uh what I went there for was jazz composition and arranging. Uh I really, what was important to me, and still is to this day, and is Mm -hmm. a large part of what I do, is arranging. Uh Um, I would spend, when I was at Berkeley, I'd be writing, you know, six or 12-piece big band horn charts. Wow. So arranging horns, that kind of stuff. Part of the reason I went to Berkeley for that is... I could have gone into performance, but performance is one of those things where I think you can, if you have a little bit of guidance, you can teach yourself. I wanted to get something out of the school where I couldn't necessarily teach it myself, mm-hmm. and I would need a little more help with it. And I thought jazz, jazz comp and arranging was definitely that teachable thing. There's mm-hmm. a real mm-hmm. subtle art to, to writing horn charts and arranging, and it's definitely a teachable thing. Mm-hmm. And... You can't always get that on your own just by study. You need some help there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was doing. Gotcha. Did you, did you know you, you, you were going to open a studio when you came to Portland? Um, yes, because basically what I do, my main thing when I'm not playing is I, I really think of myself more as a producer than uh-huh. a player. Like I spend most of my time making records for people. That's what I did for pretty much the last 10 years in, in Boston. I mm-hmm. mean, I was doing a lot of playing, but my main focus was uh, making records. I had a production partner, and we were just cranking them out. Um, so I knew, that, I knew I needed a studio when I got here. Um, and actually, the studio I was working with, I found, I, I answered a Craigslist ad 
because <laughs> uh, I really didn't know anybody here musically. And, I, and yeah. uh, Miriam German from Miriam's Well had put this ad out, and that's mm-hmm. sort of my entree into the Portland music scene was through that band. And she and I worked together pretty hardcore for six years and wow. built the studio that we had till probably 2000, well, actually probably a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I was in, yeah, I had the same place for about 10 years. Wow. So, yeah, great, great studio. Huh. Yeah. Um, I saw Miriam right after Trump got elected and everybody was losing their minds. There was a meeting somewhere of activists. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I went to it and she was there. Yeah. I she's seen it for a long time. She's that's kind of become yeah. her full time thing. Really? Yeah. She she stepped away from the music business in 20. I want to say uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just sort of went into activism. And sort of pretty much not just activism, but homeless activism. Like she, yeah. she does a lot of um, food drops for the homeless in around the St. Mm-hmm. John's area. Mm-hmm. And we, we sort of randomly keep in touch, but that's sort of her you main You think she'll thing. ever come back to music? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, she sort of has come in and out of it. I, the, yeah. the incarnation of Miriam's Well I joined was the second incarnation. Mm-hmm. The one that got the farthest. But so, so she had sort of stepped into it and stepped out of it. Maybe, that, that, maybe. that band did some touring, didn't it? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. We, we did two major tours. We played the Waterfront Blues Fest back-to-back two years in a row. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was really uh-huh. happening, happening. Were good. you at the festival this year? Um, uh-huh. Not as a player, uh-huh. as an interloper. I've done it last couple of years. I've done it with Karen. But Karen, um, Mike Osborne had his new record coming out. So mm-hmm. Karen, Karen Lovely, who I was with the last couple of years, jumped in with Mike yeah. this year. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I see pictures on her on her uh, Facebook page of of you guys on t- going on, on on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that like? She has dragged me all over the world, all <laughs> over the country. It's actually it's fun. We get um, we've had some amazing experiences. I mean, in the blues community, uh, I, I never really realized was this, but there's a real big circuit, not just in the Northwest, but all around the country of all these different blues festivals. Sure, and Karen. So we would do fly these fly dates, which are always mm-hmm. kind of Kind of seat of the pants, wild and crazy. You fly in, do the show, fly out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But f- fun. You, you're meeting all the same people. So it's like this tra- movable feast that sort of goes uh-huh. around the, the country. Uh, and then we've done... She has an amazing fan base in Iceland. So we've, we've done a couple of, couple of runs in Iceland. Then a, a run out to Poland for a festival. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Is she fun to travel with? Yeah. She's, you never know what's going to happen. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> No, she's she's uh, the beauty of Karen is she's always so engaged, active, mm-hmm. passionate, involved, mm-hmm. and just she's one of these up people. Yeah. Same with like yeah. when, uh, we do a lot of touring. It will be myself, Ben Rice, Lisa Mann, Dave Melian, and and Karen. What a bunch! Oh man, some of the, some <laughs> of the YouTube videos that have come out of those road trips are just especially when when Lisa Mann and Dave Melian. It's just. It is absolute insanity. <laughs> I just sort of duck behind the seats and hang on for, uh, for the ride. So what are you working on right now? Well, what have I, um, I've actually just finished a fairly large sort of 18-month project, which is the new Karen Ann CD, uh-huh. Be Loud. That, that's been my main focus for the last year and a half. Uh, we've been working on that. That's done. Got that out the door. That's out? Yep, it's out. That mm-hmm. came out... I don't remember the exact date, but I think we had a CD release back at the Mission Theater, I want to say, mm-hmm. in August. I think we yeah. did the CD release in August. So that's that's officially out. 
Uh, my next thing is to prep that. We're going to start doing media, sort of working the material uh, to media because I'm I'm a great fan of this record. The writing is killer. Uh-huh. Um, Who else is on it? Just a whole cast. It's uh, Karen, myself. Mm-hmm. Did she play piano on it? She played piano and guitar, and she's she's self-taught piano player, but she's really stepped up. She's a very she's she's hitting the Carol King zone now. Ah. Um, who did we have? We had Cheryl Larcombe was on drums. Then we had Colin Hogan and Brian Link from the Colin Trio mm-hmm. were keys and bass. Uh, I had Paul Brainerd, uh, even though I'm a horn chart writer, yeah. I shot that one out to Paul. Got to. Because he's so brilliant. So he Paul, is great. He is Paul great. wrote the horn charts. It was him, yeah. uh, Mary Sue Tobin. Oh, uh, Pete Mary Moss. Sue was, yep. was on the very first of these podcasts, yep. and she's, where she's been back. But yeah. I love Mary Sue. So we had the horn players in. Sean Flora was the, the mix engineer on uh-huh. it. I'm trying to think who else I had. We had um, Tara Velarde, Tim Karplus, who was also the engineer on the record. Tara, uh-huh. Tim Karplus, and Margaret Ware, uh-huh. uh, who goes out with Maria Moss in the Mood. That was my backing vocal section uh-huh. on it. And you produced? Yes. Yeah. All right. It's been my life for the last 18 months is that record. Jeez. Well, listen, when, we, when we're done here, yeah. why don't we go out on a, on a tune from that album? Sure. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. We'll get, we'll get there. Okay. Um, and so what's next? Well, um, it's, since it's the fall, we got, uh, we're starting to line up rehearsals for the next waltz, which is going to be Thanksgiving weekend. So that's all the core bands are getting ready. So we've got rehearsals getting going for that this month. Uh-huh. Um, we are actually going to do yet another Bonnie Raitt tribute show with Bree Gregg and Lisa and Ara Lee. Uh-huh. Uh, after we the just last had a one. really nice piece on Bree Gregg. Holly Johnson the, wrote a wonderful yeah, piece on Bree. With Redbird? Yeah. Yeah, her Redbird band? Yeah. yeah. She swore after we did the last uh, Bonnie Raitt, she's like, I'm done. It's too, <laughs> too heavy lifting. I'm not going to do it again. And uh, <laughs> we got a request from the Columbia Center for the Performing Arts on Hood River. Like, please, mm-hmm. can you do one? It's like, <laughs> I know I said I wasn't going to do one. But I'll do it. So yeah. we're doing that. That's good. Um, then after that, probably Stumptown Souls coming up um, mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, with the Misty Crew. Uh, and then after that, probably Mardi Gras. Start thinking about Mardi Gras. And then Karen Lovely and I are making noises about starting writing on the next record. Wow. I'm going nice. to do some co-writing with Steph Shells on nice. some stuff. Um, now, you, do you usually play the Mardi Gras ball? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've yeah. done that every year for the last... Three or four years. Yeah. 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 I'm, unfortunately, um, since I, I started spinning at uh, Joe Bar a couple, few years ago, I never get to do anything on Saturday nights. Although I, I do come early to the Mardi Gras ball because yeah. I know everybody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, you know. We miss you. <laughs> well, I, I miss it. But, you know. Yeah. yeah. I got to work. <laughs> yep. I hear you. I hear you. So, I, I, you know, Steve and Jane, we don't know what the... Uh, it's... We haven't started the the nominations for the theme for this coming year. That'll yeah. probably happen in about a month, and then we'll do the voting, and then yeah. Steve will start putting together. So who knows? You know, <laughs> right now it's Bonnie Raitt, and after that next waltz, the next waltz is going to take a big chunk of time. When is that, that going to be? That's going to be the weekend, literally right after Thanksgiving. I want to say uh-huh. the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and we're going to do it three nights again this year at Alberta Rose. Yep. Good. Yeah. Our, our home away from home. Year seven, I think. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Seven years. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, we all look forward to it. You know, it's, sure. It's, you know, it's it's home for the holidays for, for a certain musical block <laughs> of the city. Yeah. Yeah. True. Very true. Well, it sure is popular. 
Yeah, it's taken <laughs> off. It's just taken off. Well, when you have, I guess, you know, that catalog is an amazing catalog to start with. Yes. And you think of the band's music. Right. But then you've got upwards of 60 players all across the scene. It's you know who I missed when she was in town? LaVon Helm's daughter is, out, is, is, is touring. I did not even know that. Yes, and she's great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she doesn't have a you know a, a gruff voice like him, right? Right. But she's it's there. You can tell it's you can tell uh, that that she's his daughter. I'll check that out. I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah, I didn't even know yeah. that. I, I knew he had played, a daughter. I believe but... she played the Mississippi Studios. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go find that. That's so you don't have a weekly gig, right? Not a weekly. I do have a. Um, I sort of have some monthlies. Um, yeah. Karen Lovely does a thing at Catfish Lose the first Friday of every month called Karen Lovely's and Friends, uh-huh. and it's it's a sort of who's in town, who's right. going to do it. So I'll do that. Uh-huh. Um, what else have I got that's that's ongoing? Pretty much, I'm starting to do a little more crystalline work. Like I got uh, some crystalline in the hurt gigs. Like she's got her Saturday thing going on. I think it's the first Saturday of the month at the Laurel Thurst well, happy hour. Yeah. So I'll jump yeah. up on a bunch of those. Then That's she's nice. got her Edgefield stuff. I'll be at Edgefield this Sunday with her ah. on her Sun Celebration series in the winery. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I kind of fake cobble together my residencies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to be busy, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I love doing it. It's good being well, busy. Good being busy. I'm... Tom, I'm thankful to, to be able to do it, honestly, you know? Yeah, yeah. But did, did you ever doubt that you could? Um, no, not actually. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I get that. <laughs> half it's the, good, you know? Half the, half, half the battle of success in the music industry is just staying in the game. Right. You know? Right. I mean, I, I've been doing this a long, long time, but I've always, I just keep going forward and it just keeps building and, you know, uh-huh. just keeps moving forward. Uh-huh. You know? Well, that's great. Yeah. So what song shall we play from uh, that album coming Ooh, out here? Um, we could go to the single, but I think Be Still has been played to death. Um, let's do Foster the Moment, if you can dig it up. I don't, I'm not sure where she's no, got you that have to dig it. You have to send it to me. Oh, I'll, okay, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to <laughs> you. Just send me an MP3. And I'll, I'll send you an MP3 of Foster the Moment. That would be a fun one. Foster in the Moment? Foster the Moment. Foster the Moment. Yeah. What's that mean? Um... Wow, how would I describe this? It's a Karen Ann song, so it's a little bit cryptic. <laughs> well, that's good. I think we, cryptic, we, uh, cryptic, it's cryptic one of those good. songs about sort of, it's a self-discovery song. Ah. About who, you know, like seizing the moment, being in the moment, uh-huh. being present in the moment, and being okay with that. And, and sort of trying to keep going back to those times in your life where you're just there, present, it's happening, you're making it, go with it, stay there. Well, Mark, who didn't write Black Hawk Down, <laughs> thanks for coming by. I really appreciate your time, and, uh, you know, nice, nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Fun times. Can play 
Much as I, 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 I make of me So when I get caught Trying to 